sports fans of all ages, faces, and places from every stadium, arena, and auditorium all over the world. May I have your attention, please? Well, time's coming when we're going to have to handy up. Handy up and kick in like men. Like men! It is now time to bring to your listening ears, hearts, and minds a sports podcast named Wendell's World in Sports with the one and only Wendell Wallace. Tell him how you feel. A podcast that gives you strong, passionate, unapologetic, uncompromised thoughts and opinions about the everyday happenings in the NFL. And college football to the NBA in my Georgetown Hoyas. Giannis fires one down and an exclamation point for Milwaukee. To any other sporting news of the day. And now, introducing the man whose love of sports was born and bred on the greatest Muhammad Ali, Lynn Baez, Magic Johnson, Bernard King, and Eric Dickerson, Wendell Wallace. Good morning, good afternoon, bonjour, bonsoir, que passe, shalom, wassalamu alaikum, konnichiwa, namaste, good morning, good afternoon everybody, welcome to Wendell's World in Sports, I'm your host, Wendell Wallace, so glad that you could be with us, a lot of great things to get down on and discuss today in the world of sports, before I do, anywhere where you're listening to this podcast, iHeart, iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, do me a favor, if you could, download, subscribe, Rate, review, follow, most importantly, though, enjoy the most unique, entertaining, thought-provoking sports talk podcast that you can listen to. If you can do that, if you could do me that favor, man, it would make me the uh, happiest human being walking the face of the earth. Happy Veterans Day, everybody. I'm recording this on a uh, Friday afternoon, so I hope everybody is enjoying their day off and taking the time to uh, realize and understand why we have this day off. So, yeah, I hope everybody is doing that, and I hope everybody is doing what they need to do to make this world a better place to be. Understanding love, peace, and unity, regardless of skin, regardless of skin color, gender, political affiliation, religion, please do everything that we can through love, respect, and unity so we can move this society in a much much better place than it is right now. If you could do that, also, it would make me the happiest human being walking the face of the earth. At least you would know who the happiest human being walking the face of the earth is. And all you need to do is download, subscribe, rate, and review, and enjoy my program, and to treat everybody the way that you would want to be treated, regardless of differences. Um, I'm going to apologize. I should have put out something earlier in the week. I should have put out something last week. Here's the problem. Last week, I was sick. I was sick, y'all, using the using the title, using the song by Otis Redding. I was sick, y'all, and here's the situation, idiocy, nonsense, violence. Not a good policy. It's been it's been unseasonably warm out here in Las Vegas. Um and I've been running the air conditioning and that means that the air conditioning bills have been going up and up and up. So when it finally got to the opportunity where I didn't have to during the day put on my air conditioning. I was taking full advantage of that, right? Because I was getting tired of paying all them high electrical bills. Nevada Power had received enough money from me uh, because of the unseasonably warm weather that we were having in September and October and such. So what happened was, especially last week, I went to sleep and I forgot to turn on the heat. When I went to sleep at night, 12, 1 o'clock in the morning, yeah, man, it was around 76, 77 degrees in my town home out here in northwest Las Vegas. But when I woke up five, six, seven hours later, that temperature went from 77 to 71. 
So I was waking up with the sniffles. I was waking up with phlegm. I was waking up coughing. I was waking up sneezing. I was walk, waking up with a stuffy, uh, with a sore throat and all them type of things. So I thought I could go to the gym on Tuesday and Thursday of last week and get rid of that, right? You go to the gym, you sweat that stuff out. I can come back and I could do my podcast because I wanted to talk about Tyson Fury and Francis Ngannou. I wanted to talk about the Texas Rangers winning the World Series. I wanted to talk about all those type of things, right? So I would go Tuesday Thursday to the gym, work that stuff out, and either do my podcast Tuesday after the gym, Thursday after the gym. Well, what happened was, again, I woke up Tuesday feeling horrible, thought I could shake it out going to the gym, but Jenna, my fitness instructor, kicked my ass up and down the block for drill. And afterwards, I didn't feel like talking about any sports. I didn't feel like talking about anything except going to sleep, going to bed, recovering. So that was Tuesday. And on Thursday, Nadine, doing my body pump class, did the same thing to me. Whooped my ass something fierce, which I needed. Because during my fitness routines and during my exercise routines, if you ain't kicking my ass, you ain't doing your job. So they did a great job in that regard. But then again, I was in no mood whatsoever last week. After those uh, exercise classes for me to do anything except lay down and watch some basketball and sleep and and do some other things other than uh, recording a podcast. So that's what I did. And that's the reason why I didn't do anything last week. And then this week I did something on Tuesday and I did something on Wednesday. I'm recording this on a Friday. But what happened? Audacity, the platform where I record my shows, had the audacity not to uh, record it properly. So I did actually, this is the third time I'm doing this show. The third time, hopefully, is the charm. Because I did it the first time, it didn't take. And then I did it the second time, and after the updates and installments to Audacity, I couldn't download it to my um, other computer to put on the iHeart iTunes and such. So um, this is this is a situation where I'm going to try it one more time. All right, I'm going to do this one more time. And uh, we'll, we will see... Uh, what happens. And today's going to be a little bit different because again, I've been doing some other things. I've been trying to take care of myself, get myself back to at least 96.75384% of, uh, and, and get ready and go on and take care of life and do the day to day and see what I can do about surviving and thriving and doing all those good things every day. So I really didn't have time to delve into getting my podcast together like I normally do. So here's what I'm doing today for the first hour or for the hour plus podcast that I'm going to be putting on today. I'm just going to be riffing, man. Just basically, I'm going to be John Coltrane doing these are my favorite things live. I'm just going to go ahead. I'm just going to uh, talk about sports. I'm going to be talking about what's been uh, what's been um, exciting me in the world of sports. I'm going to be talking about the NBA. I'm going to be speaking about college football. I'm going to be speaking about college basketball. Oh. I'm going to be speaking about my Georgetown Hoyas and I'm going to be speaking about anything that um, comes to mind in terms of the world of sports. So, yeah, man, that's going to be my thing. Now, I know you might say, well, Wendell, don't you do that anyway? Isn't that what your program is all about? Isn't that what your podcast is all about? Speaking about what's happening in the world of sports? Yes. But again, when I do that, I like to take the time to look at the angles, kind of look at some things that I can talk about from a unique perspective, point of view, thought-provoking point of view. So I do spend quality time getting my show together to go ahead and record it for each and every single one of you. Well, this time, 
it's going to be just a little bit different. I'm just going to go ahead. I'm just going to be speaking from the heart and the mind and the soul and the body and the spirit about things that have been exciting me about the world of sports. And you know, at first and foremost, what I'm going to be speaking about. Yes, I love the NFL. Yes, I enjoy college football. Uh, but in terms of sports is concerned, the love of my life, as I always mentioned before, if I had a wifey, if I had a death do us part in terms of sports is concerned, not sports teams, but I'm speaking about sports is concerned, my wifey, my ride and die, my praising to the Lord and promising the Lord that I'll always be good to it and all those type of things, my league or my sport is basketball and the NBA and Lord, thank you so doggone much that uh, the league started I was just engulfed. I was just drowning. I was just overwhelmed. I was just soaked and stenched in the sight and the smell and the taste and the feeling of the uh, NBA a couple of weeks ago when it first came out. I know that we're seven, eight games into the season, but, um, you know, when the NBA season comes out each and every year, I got to take advantage of that free league pass uh, preview that they have. So it gives me the opportunity to watch all the teams uh, the first couple of games, just to get a taste, just to get a glimpse, just to get an idea of what uh, these teams are going to be all about, whether we're speaking about the best of the best, like the Denver Nuggets and such, or the worst of the worst, like my Washington Wizards. So it gives me the opportunity to see, to see teams uh, that first week on NBA League Free uh, League Path, the preview, it gives me the opportunity to see teams, again, that are not going to be on ESPN's Wednesdays and Fridays. It's not going to be on NBA TV all that much. It's not going to be on TNT. It's not going to be doing any of those things. So it gave me the, op- gave me the opportunity to really delve in and to uh, take a look at what the teams are all about early in the season. You, you really can't make any strong opinions or thoughts about the NBA in terms of what the teams are going to be like probably until about the first 25 30 games of the year. I think when the calendar once you hit once you hit December once those December games are played that's when I think you can really start instituting your thoughts and opinions in ink in stone about what your teams are going to be like in terms of how good or how bad or how putrid or how overwhelming or underwhelming or overrated or underrated your teams and the players that you love are going to be so right now i'm still in the loving stage i'm still in the beginning stage i'm still in like like, like the first month or six weeks of the NFL, right? For all those, and how many times have I told you this? How many times did I tell you this during the season with the NFL when it first started? R-E-L-A-X. I don't care which teams you're rooting for. I don't care what the team's expectations are. I don't care how they finish, good or bad, last season. It doesn't equate. It doesn't um, compute. It doesn't move on in terms of what that team is going to be the next season especially when we're speaking about trying to decide based on four, five, six, seven games in the NFL. So just the same thing in the NBA, man. During the month of uh, November, during this month, and the next three weeks when December rolls around, just enjoy the NBA, man. Just enjoy your teams. Just enjoy the games. Because so far, the NBA has been pretty exciting. Now, I don't know anything. I'm not going to learn to know about anything about the play in ter- about this uh, in-season tournament, which has already, already started and which I will be watching in terms of the teams that will be playing uh, tonight. Um, I will not be, I, I don't know anything about that. Have no idea about that. Just none whatsoever. Don't care about it. 
The only thing that I know about it is these games count in the regular season and the winner of the in-season tournament gets themselves a million dollars. The winning coaches for those teams get themselves $500,000. Now, for players who make anywhere between 50, 40, 35, 30, 20, 10 million dollars per year, maybe for them a million dollars might not uh, be such or excuse me, yeah, a million dollars might not be such a big deal. But then again, with some of these cats, man, you know, you don't know what their spending habits are. You don't know how many baby mamas they're trying to uh, take care of. We don't know how many friends and family members are pinching them for ideas about how to get themselves a, a dispensary or any type of businesses. So we don't know exactly what their expenses are. So maybe for some of them, if you're speaking about guys who are 11th or 12th man on the bench when you're speaking about rookies coming into the league. You don't know exactly how important, how impactful that million dollars could be if their team wins themselves the in-season tournament. So a lot of times when we, we equate big deal, the winning team gets $1 million each. Big deal, what does that mean? Well, yeah, if you're speaking about the top players in the league, you're speaking about guys who have been in the league for a while and have accumulated over $100, $200 million. If you're speaking about guys who are making after taxes $10, $12, $15, 20000000 million after taxes, then yeah, maybe a million dollars ain't a big deal. But for, but for, for the others, it might be a big deal to them. Maybe not enough for them to have an impactful um to have an impact on the outcome of the game because that's going to be left to the Giannis's, that's going to be left to the Jokic's, that's going to be left to the MB's, that's going to be left to the Tatum's, and those type of players to decide who's going to win the tournament. Not some rookie on the bench who's on a rookie contract, but still, it's it's just the million dollars. It's not just a who big deal for everybody, or I don't need that for everybody. So, We'll see. We'll see what happens. But again, I'm just enjoying the NBA games people play or these players play. I want to talk about one player, of course, the biggest name or the biggest prospect or I don't know what you can call him, the biggest whatever, the biggest player possibly to come into the NBA outside of George Mirosan and Manute Bowl. When you're speaking about seven foot, how, how tall is Victor Wimbanyana, by the way? Because he gets he gets uh, reported as being anywhere between seven two and seven five, so I don't know exactly where he stands amongst seven two or seven five or somewhere in between. But Victor Wimbanyana, the era has started for him playing to, I would say overall strong views. The last time I checked on Victor, he was still getting chanted overrated at Madison Square Garden, had the worst game of his career in his young career, the infancy of his career. By scoring, I guess, what, 10, 12 points, going 4 for 14, something like that. Um, The physicality of the Knicks. The Knicks played very well that game, and the Spurs did not. Still maybe feeling the effects of giving up that 20-something point lead to the uh, Toronto Raptors a few days before that game against the uh, Knicks. So, you know, people I saw on social media, people were speaking about the rookie debuts of great players in their first game at Madison Square Garden. They talked about Luka, and they talked about LeBron, and they talked about MJ, and they talked about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, then known as Lou Alcindor. They talked about Magic and Larry and all those players. Um, Totally different situation when you're speaking about Victor Wimbanyana. Um, With a comparison with some of these cats that they're talking about as far as the all-time greats are concerned, not really applicable. When you're speaking about how to judge, how to gauge, how to rate, how to grade 
Victor Wembanyama right now. He's still in the infancy of his career. And I'm, I'm telling you, between a game where he's going to look unbelievable and this is this is what the league, he's going to tear up the league and he's going to be the greatest player who ever lived, this, that, and the other. The game that he had, for instance, the second game, for instance, that he had against the uh, Phoenix Sun where he had 38-10 and 10 and San Antonio won uh, back-to-back games against the Spurs that people were sitting there talking, oh, the Wimbanyana era is here and he's this and he's that and he can walk on water and all this type of stuff. Between those games like that, which are going to elicit those type of responses, thoughts, and opinions to the game on Wednesday where he played against the Knicks where they were chanting overrated and I'm quite sure there's going to be some knucklehead out there who's making six figures that's going to sit there after that game and say, well... I'm a little bit worried about when Benyano, what's going to be happening, what's going down between those two extremes. There's going to be games where he's just going to fall somewhere in between. I think if he plays, let's just throw out an arbitrary number right now, okay? The Spurs and when Benyano, let's say that when Benyano plays 75 games, all right? I think there's going to be, in those 75 games, I think there's going to be 8 to 10 games minimum where he's just going to a day, he's going to amaze in days, and it's just going to be, oh my goodness gracious, Jesus fucking A Christ, are you serious on how great this guy is? Are you serious about the strides this kid has made to be the player that he is right now? Are you serious where he's already over, uh, where he's uh, um, even better than what we first thought he was? Are you serious? This is Victor Wimbanyana. Victor Wimbanyana has arrived. We're going to be getting, there's going to be 8 to 10 games where he's going to be putting on those type of performances. Then there's probably going, probably going to be 12 to 14 games, just a conservative estimate, to where Wimbanyana is going to come out and he's going to look completely lost. He's going to look completely overwhelmed. He's going to have bad shooting nights. He's going to look tentative. He's going to look poor. He's going to get destroyed. He's going to get dominated. He's going to get overwhelmed, which is going to elicit the the comments of, I don't know about this kid, what's happening, what's going on, and then the Bol Bol comparisons are going to get louder and louder. What's the difference between him and Bol Bol, except for maybe the attitude, the coaching, and the fact that uh, Wimbanyana is getting a chance to succeed and fail, unlike the uh, unlike the situation Manute Bol's kid, Bol Bol, has been in. So we're we're going to we're going to have at least four, 12 to fourteen games like that, right? So we're speaking about there's going to be another 52 to 55 games where we're going to have to judge Wembenyana on a serious basis to say, is he learning? Is he growing? Is he getting better? How much better has he gotten? How slow, how fast the process is for Wembenyana to get better? What are going to be the expectations as we move along? Because when the season first started, we have expectations. Before we got to see Wembenyana play in a game, we have expectations for him. And for those who were shooting high with the expectations of Wembenyana, that he's already going to become a defensive force, that he's already going to become maybe a top 20, 15 player in the game. When we get to the NBA season and we get to the month of December and January and February and March, as the dog days come on to the NBA season and game number one, five, 10, 15, all of a sudden now become games 40, 45, 50, 55, 60. And those games where it's games 43, 48, 52, 61, 67, 
what are we going to be saying about Victor Wimbanyama? Because no matter how great he is, no matter how poor he is, no matter how intriguing, he, no, no matter how intriguing that player is, eventually the Wimbanyama hype in terms of oh my goodness, I got to see him, and we've got to critique every single time he goes up and down the court. That's going to dissipate and go away. So now we're just going to be getting into a situation where you being a fan of the NBA, you who might even be curious about what's happening with Wembenyana, you might go games. You might go five or six games and be like, oh, yeah, yeah, the Spurs played. Uh, how many times they played the last couple of weeks? Five times? How, how did Wembenyana do? How's, how's he going along? I didn't have a chance because of my life. I really didn't have a chance to uh, see what was happening, see the highlights, to see the box score, to see what San Antonio was doing as a team. So all those things are going to come into play. So we have to take the Wimbanyana experience with a little bit of common sense consistency. And when he has a great game, when he looks dominant, we talk about it. We go, man, great game Wimbanyana, this, that, and the other. And when he has a bad game, we got to take that with consistent common sense and say, hey, man, bad game from Wimbanyana, this, that, and the other. But we can't go to the extremes one way or the other to say, yep, there we go. Because we always, especially the prognosticators, those who talk on this subject, those who talk, talk to a microphone, talking to a camera for, the living, for a living, they always want to be the first ones to say, yep, I told you. If Wimpanyana does well, they want to be the one to tell, to tell everybody, yep, I told you, just like I predicted, especially if you're speaking about a Wimpanyana fan or someone on the television screen, someone doing a podcast, someone in the radio station who's going to sit there before the season started and talk about Wimpanyana and say, hey, man, Wimpanyana's going to be great. He's going to do this. He's going to do that. He's going to run the league. I have, I have high expectations for Wimbanyana. You want to call them quote-unquote hot takes in terms of the positivity of what the expectations for Wimbanyana is going to be his first year. Very quickly, he's not, going to, he's not going to be patient. He's not going to take the long-term approach. He's not going to be doing that. He's going to be the first one that's going to be shouting and screaming and praising and breaking his arm because he's been patting himself on the back to talk about, I told you. How great Wembenyana was. See, see, see. And the same thing can be said for those who think Wembenyana is going to be a bust. For those who are in the Bowl Bowl fans in terms of, I don't see the big difference between him and Bowl Bowl. For those who have the negative glass half empty concerning Victor Wembenyana, they're going to take the game that he had against the New York Knicks. He's going to take the stretch that he's had against the uh, Indiana Pacers and the Toronto Raptors and the New York Knicks where he hasn't been setting the league on fire. They're going to take those games. They're going to take those performances and they're going to run with it because they also want to be the ones, first ones to say, see, I told you. I told you Wimbanyana was no good. I told you Wimbanyana would be a bust. I told you guys all of this. Especially when you have that contrarian uh, thought and opinion and point of view because the majority are saying that Wembenyana is going to be that fine or is going to be a fine NBA basketball player. So if you could be that guy to say, see, I told you he wouldn't be any good. All you guys cackling and talking about how great he was going to be and how he was going to dominate the league and how we've seen nobody like this before, blah, blah, blah. I told you 
that he was going to be no good. Those guys are waiting with bated breath. Those guys are waiting with saliva dripping from their fangs to chew in and spit out that narrative about Victor Wimbignano. So the long term, the patience of what we need to do in terms of evaluating Wimbignano in, in his first year with the San Antonio Spurs, it's going to be difficult for most folks, but uh, I'm ready, man. I'm ready for the journey. I am ready for, I'm ready for this, man. Because look, I'm in a generation where let's just let's just take the game of basketball, all right? Let's just take the NBA game. There's going to be maybe, and let's say I've got, let's say I've got 30 more years le- left of living, right? I mean, that's going to bring me into my mid 80s. So let's say I got 30 more years left of living. Why I'm savoring this? Why I'm enjoying this? Why I love this so much? Let's just say the Lord has granted me 30 years, right? I'm not going to get in a car crash. No one's going to shoot me. No one's going to uh, do anything to me. I'm not going to have any freak accidents that's going to um, kill me before that the, the age of being in my mid-80s. So let's say, by the grace of God, I make it that far, right? I've only got maybe being an NBA fan that I am after Wimbenyana. I've got maybe, at the very most, Two generational great players left in my left in my lifetime for me to enjoy, for me to savior, for me to appreciate. I mean, when Bignana is coming around the bend, I don't know. It took what twenty years between LeBron and now when Bignana in terms of the hype, in terms of the oh my goodness. Now, of has there been great players in the NBA between that? Yeah, yeah, of course. Steph Curry, hello, Nikola Jokic, hello, Joel Embiid, hello, Giannis in this story, hello, I get that, I understand that, but when you're speaking about players who have been able to change the game, change the texture, change the game, change the way we watch, change the way the younger generation takes to the game, change the way the younger generations and generations after them are going to be able to fall in love with the game and be able to play the game. And for those who God has granted the gift of being able to play in the NBA, whether their skill set would be dribbling, shooting, passing, thinking, rebounding, size, athleticism, and in a combination of all the above, the way that those guys are going to take those gifts and be able to apply it the way that they want to play basketball. Man, I don't know if I, I don't know. I've got maybe one or two, one or, we've got one or two players like that before, before the end of our lives. And again, that's if I'm living 25, 30 years, which is no guarantee. So I'm savoring this, man. Because, again, few players have changed the way the game has been played, right? George Mikan, way back in the 1950, changed the way the NBA was played. Elgin Baylor, when he came in and played for the Minneapolis Lakers, then Minneapolis moved to Los Angeles, changed the way the game was played because of his athleticism, because of his hang time, the way that he played on a vertical basis rather than horizontal. Bill Russell changed the way the game was played because of his defense. Wilt Chamberlain changed the way the game was played because of his size and his skill and athleticism and his and his um and his massiveness changed the way the game was played. Oscar Robertson played the game, changed the way the game was played, being a six five point guard who could shoot, who could score, who could think, who could pass, and who could dominate the game like that, right? Magic Kareem Abdul Jabbar changed the way the game was played. You could even say, in terms of Victor Wimbignana is concerned, Kareem Abdul Jabbar was the what the foundation 
of what Victor Wimbenyana is in terms of when Kareem Abdul-Jabbar came into the league playing under the name Lou Alcindor, when he came into the league with the Milwaukee Bucks, here was a guy who was seven feet tall, who was so agile for his time, who could actually shoot jump shots, who could actually put the ball on the floor. He could do all those things. He changed the way the game was played. When you're speaking about someone like a Magic Johnson or a Larry Bird, changed the way the game was played. A 6'9 point guard? A 6'9, 220-pound point guard? That's usually reserved for power forward. But Magic Johnson, a 6'9 point guard, who was the best point guard, who had natural point guard skills, before 1979, that was unheard of. No one had ever heard of anything like that. Then you got this white boy from French Lake, Indiana, Larry Bird, 6'9, being able to do the things on the perimeter like he can do. The passing, the shooting, the rebounding, the thinking, the genius of this cat, both him and Magic. In a frame that was 6'9", there were no other 6'9 shooting guards or point guards. The closest thing was probably Bob Pettit at 6'9", but he was more of a power forward. The things that Larry Bird was doing, no one had seen before. The things Magic Johnson was doing before he came into the NBA, no one had seen before. They changed the game, so on and so on and so forth. We saw evolutions of George Mikan. We saw evolutions of Elgin Baylor. We saw evolutions of, um, of uh, Wilt Chamberlain. Should I mention the name Shaquille O'Neal? We've seen these evolutions. We've seen um, players change the game like Steph Curry. We've seen players change the game like Nikola Jokic, even though we weren't even predicting that they would do so. No one was predicting that Steph Curry would go down as one of the 10 greatest basketball players of all time before he came into the NBA and started doing what he was doing, probably around year four or five of his career. Because you remember him with the ankle injuries and the ankle history that put him susceptible to be traded. It came down to a situation between Golden State and Milwaukee where they were either going to trade Monta Ellis or Stephen Curry. And it was a real debate. We look at that now and we laugh. Especially the way Steph is playing right now at near MVP level. But we take a look at that now and we say, how could that even be, how could have that even been possible? How could that have even been a discussion to trade Steph Curry for anybody? But that was the time. Then Mark Jackson came in, they started drafting well, and that started the path, that started the journey, that started the travels of Steph Curry, again, become one of the the greatest backcourt players of NBA history and the greatest shooter in NBA history. And we see now high school. Go ahead and watch these YouTube clips. Go ahead on Instagram and go to these reels and you see the way you see the way these guys are playing. You see the way these kids are are shooting the basketball, where they're shooting the basketball, and you see how young that they are. And not just shooting the basketball, but the way that they move. Steph Curry bringing hope, Steph Curry bringing belief, Steph Curry bringing guidance, Steph Curry bringing a path, Steph Curry being the man that that will allow Someone who doesn't have the athleticism and the size of a LeBron James. Steph Curry made it possible for players. You know, you could dominate the league. You could be a two or three time MVP. You could be one of the top players in the league for a long period of time. And you didn't have to be six foot nine with a 46 inch vertical leap. 
You you didn't have to be six foot four, two hundred and twenty pounds with the strength of Samson and running over niggas like that Rodney Hampton. You didn't have to be super athletic and super ultra quick like an Allen Iverson with the quickness. You didn't have to have you did, basically you didn't have to be a physical freak in any way, shape, or form. All you had to do, as far as the as, as, as being freakish is concerned, is skill level. It is much easier while it's a, while it's extremely, extremely, extremely hard for someone to gain the skills of a Steph Curry. Gaining skills close to Steph Curry is a lot easier than trying to athleticism-wise be a LeBron James or be someone of that ilk. That is truly God-given when you're speaking about someone the size and the strength or someone who has those type of physical abilities and attributes. So it gave a whole generation of players who, or a whole generation of kids who, instead of going to play soccer, some kid who's six foot one, six foot two, six foot three, who might decide to play another sport because he didn't have the uber athleticism of a LeBron James or someone like that, or a Russell Westbrook, or a John Wall, or an Iver- Allen Iverson. It gave them the belief. It gave them the passion. It gave them the dream to go ahead and be a Steph Curry by being just a tremendous shooter. So when I'm speaking about players who change the game, when I'm speaking about idols, when I'm speaking about icons in the world of the NBA, now Victor Wembenyana is going to be that guy because now you're going to be looking at the you're going to be looking at the 13-year-old who's going to be six foot nine, and coaches are going to be saying, no, we're doing, we don't want him to be having his back to the basket. We're now going to go ahead and let him put the ball in his hands and see what he can do about being the next Victor Wembenyana. So now there's a new openness to, uh, to uh, groom somebody who has that talent, to groom somebody who has those gifts to uh, be that person, to be that player. So, yeah, man, Victor Wembenyana is... Uh, He's going to be something else. I, I I have enjoyed seeing just some small increments of improvement so far from the first game that he played against the um, Dallas Mavericks to uh, where he is again. The last game that he played against the um, against the uh, New New York Knicks. He still plays like a shooting guard. He still plays like a small forward. I would like to see him become a little bit more physical. That will come in time with uh, body work, with growth, with maturity. I would like to see him develop more of a back-to-the-basket game. I would like to see him um, use his gifts a little bit more closer to the basket. Man, you're 7 feet 4, 7 feet 3, 7 feet 5. If you've got a small forward guarding you, take his ass into the post, or at least the mid-post. I don't know why you're floating around the perimeter. It's that mentality that he's been playing with the French League. But ultimately, his game should be, his game is going to be, his game hopefully will be somewhere between 18 feet and in. Shoots a lot of three, a lot of three pointers. He's streaky on that in that regard, but when everything clicks and when everything is all said and done, this should be a guy who should be averaging over thirty points a game, mainly getting his shots twelve, fourteen, sixteen feet and in. So, like I said, I'm excited about the uh, Victor Wimbanyana experience, man. We, we don't know. We don't even know. In terms, he's already been a uh, defensive force. And this guy has already changed the game in terms of, uh, he can play anybody in terms of, from a shooting guard, he's probably more comfortable out on the perimeter with a shooting guard with quickness than he would be with the uh, physicality of someone who plays with their back to the basket, a bruiser, a brute, shall we say. 
So once he adds in the uh, dimension of weight and strength to be able to uh, battle these guys, then, um, man, Victor Wembignana, I would say in about three or four years, is going to dominate the league. When the uh, LeBrons and the others who have dominated the game finally decide to uh, hang it up or have gotten to the point where, you know, they're not that player anymore, then the Victor Wembignana's along with Luka and Giannis and other, they're going to be the ones that are going to be dominating the game. The Anthony Edwards, the Jason Tatum, they're going to be the ones that are going to be dominating the game. The Tyrese Halliburtons and the Devin Bookers, those are going to be the guys that are going to be the marquee players. Uh, the Shea Gilgis Alexanders and such, I cannot wait for the next wave of really great players to go ahead and to do those things. And that's not even mentioning players that are off the radar right now in terms of their forceful impact that they're going to have that we don't even know about. Whether they just started in this league, whether they're in college, whether they're overseas, or whether they're still in high school during their thing. It's going to be extremely interesting to see, along with Wembignana and such, in four or five, six years, who else is going to be dominating the league with them? Hopefully, I'll be still around to make that happen. Wendell's World in Sports, I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. I still want to talk about what's happening in the NBA because uh, the season just started. It's still young, but I'm taking a look at these teams. I'm taking a look at the Milwaukee Bucks. I'm taking a look at the Los Angeles Lakers. I'm taking a look at the Phoenix Suns. I'm taking a look at the Boston Celtics. I'm taking a look at the Indiana Pacers. I'm taking a look at the now newly constructed Los Angeles Clippers. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, Who's uh, long-term as far as this season is concerned for real and not for real? I know that I can't go ahead and say without question who's it going to be and who's it not going to be because there really hasn't been enough evidence, but it still intrigues me. And I'll be speaking about those things here on Wendell's World in Sports. Wendell's World of Sports, I'm your host, Wendell Wallace, so glad that you could be with us. The NBA is back, as I mentioned before. Let's go ahead and start talk about James Harden be the tra- being traded to the Los Angeles Clippers, right? Finally happened. Finally happened. The 76ers received Marcus Morris, Nick Batum, Robert Covington, Kenyon Martin Jr. in draft picks. Philadelphia was, is also going to receive a 2028 unprotected first-round pick. A second round pick in 2024 and 2029, a 2029 pick swap, and a protected 2026 first round pick from the Oklahoma City Thunder. According to Yahoo Sports senior NBA reporter Jake Fisher, the 2026 pick from the Thunder will be the lesser valued pick and three uh, of three that the Thunder own. And the 76ers are going to waive Danny Green to free up a roster spot 
to complete the deal. So, what did this mean for the uh, what did this mean for the Clippers? Because that's the first thing that we always ask when these deals go down. Well, what does that mean? Well, what does that mean? Well, what does this mean for well, who who won this trade? Who got the betterment of this trade? Right. Well, it all depends on what your definition is. It all depends on in terms of when you say, let's just say, for instance, yeah, I think the Los Angeles Clippers got better. In what regard? Do you now see them as championship level material and why? Do you see this as a situation that's going to make them a little bit more relevant in the uh, city of Los Angeles? Is this going to be a positive in terms of when the Clippers open up that new 18,000-seat arena next season? Is this going to be a situation where James Harden is going to elevate his game even more to A, get that guaranteed big-dollar contract that he thought he was getting from the Philadelphia 76ers, the one that will bring him long-term, big-term dollars and security. That's all he's asking from you. So it's James Harden. Working out is this James Harden trade? If you say the James Harden trade was a positive, it, are, are are you taking into into accounts those things? So are you taking into the accounts of hey, look, man, I think the trade really didn't mean anything because are the Clippers now all of a sudden a better team than the Denver Nuggets? The answer is no. Does that put them on the same par as a fully functioning and healthy Phoenix Suns team from a rising Minnesota Timberwolves team, from a very impressive and intriguing Oklahoma City team, from maybe a regrouping, possibly regrouping and getting it together by the midseason Los Angeles Lakers team? Uh, it doesn't mean any of those things. Does it mean them usurping the level of what the Golden State Warriors are on right now? Does it mean any of those things for the Los Angeles Clippers? When they make that trade for James Harden, the answer is no. <laughs> Basically, the main thing is, is that the, Lake, the uh, Los Angeles Clippers, with this trade, constituting this trade, does not make them favorites to win the NBA championship. So whether they finish second, whether they finish seventh, whether they finish ninth, really doesn't make any difference. If the bottom line for getting those guys was to, uh, or getting James Harden, was to win an NBA championship. I just don't see it. They now talk about the big four. They talk about Kawhi Leonard. They talk about Paul George. They talk about James Harden. They talk about Russell Westbrook. And I'm thinking to myself, where all of a sudden did Russell Westbrook come into this fray? When we're speaking about now the equation, when we're speaking about now the team of the Los Angeles Clippers, and we start speaking about the magnitude of that trade and how it's going to help the Clippers in terms of winning a championship, why are you including Russell Westbrook in that equation? Why are you including Russell Westbrook in terms of now the impact that he'll have on the Clippers, that James Harden will have on Russell Westbrook and vice versa? Why are you doing that now? Because I don't think really, and I know Russ has been you know, playing over 30-something minutes a game and such as a, as a starter for the Clippers, but man, I, I, I just don't understand, man. I just don't see it. I don't see Russell Westbrook being a positive, playing those minutes, taking those shots, having those responsibility. Now you have Russ and James Harden in the backcourt for the Clippers to go along with Paul George, Kawhi, and is it the Zubac? I I, I, just, I just don't see it. I don't see that team uh, going anywhere where it needs to be. Uh, James Harden is a guy. I don't. Who, James Harden has now got himself the reputation. James Harden now is a guy that has proven. The fact when times gets tough, he gets it going. Now, maybe the thing that you can talk about and speak about is say, well, after this, th this is really the ninth life of the cat named James Harden. 
because after this, I don't know where he goes. If he, if he pulls a Houston Rockets near the end of that tenure, if he pulls a Brooklyn Nets, if he pulls a Philadelphia 76ers with the Los Angeles Clippers, that's it. He might, be, he might have been able to get away with that stuff in his late 20s, early 30s. But now, what, at 34 years old, after a couple of, the last couple of seasons and everything that he's done, he ain't worth it. If James Harden's going to have the same attitude that got him jettisoned from Brooklyn and the Philadelphia 76ers and the Houston Rockets, if he's going to have that same attitude if things don't go his way with the Los Angeles Clippers, guess what? That ain't, there's no more teams, James. There's no more teams. I don't know what you would want. If you don't like it now, you got back with the Clippers, you got back with one of the richest owners in the NBA who's going to be eager to pay you because of the situation next season going into that arena. I don't know where else to go if for some reason you sour on Steve Ballmer or you sour on Tyron Lue or you sour on Russell Westbrook again or you sour on the management or you feel that they're not offering you the money that you expect. There's going to be nobody else, James. There's going to be no, there's nobody else in the league that is going to offer you the, the, uh, the utopia that you're going to be looking for that's going to keep you happy. A team ready to win a championship that's going to be spending near max money for multiple, multiple years on you. There's no team in the NBA like that, James, that exists. It's not the Lakers. It's not the Warriors. It's not the Celtics. Nobody. So this is your best and only chance for you to somehow, someway resurrect your career so you can at least get a three-year deal or you know, maybe a three-year deal with, um, with an option uh, after two, one way or the other. So for me, it's going to be like, well, what's going to be your motivation going to the Clippers now? Is it just to try to recoup some money that you feel that you should have gotten and gotten that sweet deal that you should have received in your mind from the Philadelphia 76ers? Or are you truly going to try to help this team win? If you're truly going to try to help this team win, you got to play more like you did when you were playing with Philadelphia this past season, which is lead the NBA in assists and set up others and look for your shot second or third. You're no longer that guy in Houston, James. You're no longer going to be that number one uh, scoring option like you were in Houston. You're not going to even be 1A like you were in Brooklyn or even in Philadelphia. And when I say 1A in Brooklyn, that's after all the shenanigans with um, with uh, Kyrie Irving. So, so now is a situation where if you are truly interested in seeing what you can do to maximize the potential of the team that you're playing for, the Los Angeles Clippers, and not your bank account or not your future earnings sending around James Harden and James Harden only, then there's probably going to be this season where when everything is all said and done, you're going to be the most effective, averaging anywhere between 17 and 19 points a game and 10 to 11 assists. And maybe try a little bit to play some defense. And oh, by the way, James, some of the, um, some of the advantages or some of the niceties that was afforded to you in Houston, that James Harden is no longer walking through the door be able to run on James Harden time, James Harden time no longer exists. So now this is going to be a situation about what you can do, about seeing, about keeping, about appeasing, about getting excited, uh, about playing with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Because Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, now they are the ones that become the priority for the Los Angeles Clippers and see what they can do 
to hold on to their careers and get themselves that big-time contract that they've been wanting after injury play seasons have derailed um, the, 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 the dynamic duo when they first got together that they that the Clippers nation and ownership and owner thought would be giving them the best opportunity not just to compete for a championship, but also win a championship. That those expectations has not come close to fruition. So it will be interesting to see if James Harden is going to be that guy that will get it done for him. It's all it's all going to be about James Harden in terms of what he decides to do, about how he decides he can best help this team. It is not going to be the James Harden that's going to be looking to average 25 points a game. It's going to be the James Harden that's going to play the point guard position for the Houston Rockets, put Russell Westbrook on the bench as a uh, second tier or a guy who's going to come in and energize the second unit and be able to do so that way. So we'll, we'll, we'll see in this situation. For the Philadelphia 76ers, it was a good move because A, it finally got rid of the nonsense of, well, Joel, well, Tyrese, well, Coach Nertz, what about, um, what about James Harden? When's he coming back? How's James Harden? You heard from James Harden. What's your thoughts on James Harden? Going on without James Harden. Hey, we're five games into the season. There's no James Harden. What do you think about James Harden? When's James Harden coming back? James Harden, James Harden, James Harden. So, you know, you know, it's just, it's none of them, there's no more of that nonsense with the Philadelphia 76ers. It now frees up a Tyrese Maxey to take another step. I don't know if Tyrese Maxey is going to be that true Robin to Joel Embiid's Batman when you're speaking about competing for a championship, especially when you're speaking about the MVP Joel Embiid. How much longer does he have at that level? No, so far he's been playing great. So far, he's been playing awesome, but this is a Joel Embiid where the history shows us that somewhere, somewhere down the line, whether it be 10 games from now or when the playoff starts, Joel is going to be battling, Joel is going to be dealing with, Joel is going to be missing some games because of injury. He's going to be hampered by injuries every, almost every single year, even last season where he won the MVP. He missed some playoff games because of injury. Now, they were against the Brooklyn Nets, but still, he missed games. So, you would have to go on the assumption assumption that in all probability, Joel Embiid is going to be missing some games. The question again is going to be, who is going to be able to, is Tyrese Maxey going to be that guy, his maturation, his development, his improvement, is he going to be that guy to be able to step in if Embiid is going to be missing five, six, seven, ten games uh, going those type of stretches? Danny Green has been playing much better at basketball. So I like the Philadelphia 76ers team. They beat the uh, Boston Celtics a, co- a couple of days ago in overtime. Um, I also think this move clears, makes some room for the 76ers to improve. And I think this was also a move to show Joel Embiid, just in case you're speaking about, oh, I'm getting tired of this and I want to go somewhere where I can win and I only have a certain number of years left in my career, so I want to go to a place where I know I can win and blah, blah, blah. With these trades, or with the, or with the trades that the 76ers made, it put them in line to go ahead and get themselves... Um, some real free agents or some to go ahead and really do some maneuvering when you're speaking about continuing to make this team better. If I'm the 76ers, yeah, I saw what the Milwaukee Bucks did in getting Damian Lillard. 
Now, but not only am I thinking about, hmm, what does this mean for us competing against Milwaukee now that they have Damian Lillard? I'm also going to be thinking about, hmm, what does Joel Embiid think about this? Because it might be a situation where it's kind of like, damn, man, really? Y'all go ahead and go at Milwaukee once Giannis throws out little crumbs about he might not spend his entire career with the Milwaukee Bucks unless I know, unless I can be guaranteed that I'm going to have the opportunity to compete for championships every year. Basically, the trade for Damian Lillard from the Milwaukee Bucks, it was it was Giannis Antetokounmpo telling the Bucks to say jump and the Bucks saying, is this high enough with the acquisition of Damian Lillard? I wonder... If Joel Embiid says jump, a.k.a., hey, look, man, you know, my patience is running thin and y'all better do something to get me some help or else, uh, you know, my wandering eyes might be wandering down to the uh, to, to uh, New York or Miami or somewhere else. I might have to go in and do the old, yeah, I want to be traded, this, that, and the other. Basically, that's Joel Embiid saying jump. The Sixers making this move to get rid of Harden, which was inevitable. Harden was never going to be able to fit in after all the rankous acrimony and all these situ- and all the situation that happened with Daryl Morey. So basically when Joel Embiid said, hmm, you know what? I don't know if I want to stay here my entire career. But if he secretly or if the 76ers had any type of remote idea that Joel Embiid felt that way, even if it was just playing in their mind, playing with their minds like that, my mind's playing tricks on me like the ghetto boys. I wonder if... The 76th, when Joel Embiid said jump in that regard, Philadelphia getting the haul that they got in terms of draft capital or in terms of uh, vying up um, vying up um, money for free agency. I wonder if that was the 76ers' way of saying, how high do you want me to jump? So we will also see about that. And when you take a look again, I've mentioned it before, man, the whole Batman and Robin deal, right? terms of winning a championship. I know that Jamal Murray has missed some games, but Jokic is playing good. Jamal Murray, before he got injured, was playing well. That's a true Batman and Robin type of situation, right? There's, there's a lot or there's for the for the good teams, for the teams that are looking to do something, they, they have to have that Batman and Robin combo, right? Giannis, the Batman, Lillard, the Robin. Um, Embiid, the Batman, Tyrese Maxey, and for right now, the Robin. Um, Jason Tatum, the Batman for Boston, Jalen Brown, the Robin for the uh, Celtics, correct? Anthony Edwards, the Batman for Minnesota, Carl Anthony Towns, uh, Rudy Gobert, the possible Robins for the Minnesota Timberwolves, uh, Steph Curry, the Batman for the Golden State Warriors, Depending upon the situation, whether it be Clay Thompson, whether it be, I don't even know who else. Who's going to be that Robin for the Golden State Warriors? And then we go to the Los Angeles Lakers, who got beat up pretty well against the Houston Rockets the other day. Anthony Davis not playing. Anthony Davis supposed to be the Batman. LeBron James supposed to be the Robin. Here's, here's what I notice. LeBron James doesn't mind being the Batman. Or excuse me, LeBron James doesn't mind Anthony Davis being the Batman when Batman is not needed. You know, during the game and such, LeBron James says, go ahead, Batman. Go ahead, Anthony Davis. Do your thing. Go ahead and get the job done, this, that, and the other. But then when it's time for Batman to truly be Batman, that's when 
That's when LeBron plays Bruce Wayne and says, okay, Anthony, get out of your Batman costume. Go ahead and put this Robin costume on because it's my turn. Now I'm going to be the Batman. In crunch time, LeBron is going to be the Batman. When it's time to make a play in an important game, LeBron is going to be the Batman. When it's time to take a last last, uh, shot, LeBron is going to be the Batman. And Anthony Davis is going to be the one that's going to play the Robin. Or shall I say, in a critical point of the game when a game-winning shot or decision is need to be made, LeBron is going to be the one that's going to be playing Batman. And then Anthony Davis is going to be the one that's playing Robin. I wonder if you can win a championship or reach the level of expectations that the Lakers have this season by doing that. You got to be all in and all out. You got you to be all in with one player being Batman. You can't be a situation where, yeah, I'll, I'll play Robin, and that sounds good to give the reign, to give the title over to Batman, but we all know who... Batman truly is, right? We know when the basket needs to be made, when a play needs to be made, we all know who they're going to, right? Because in that situation, or in that case, when you're speaking about if you have two Batmans, you have no Batmans. You know, if you have two starting quarterbacks, you really don't have any uh, quarterbacks. Remember that saying? Well, I think in the NBA, if you have two Batmans, you really don't have a Batman. Or you have one really screwed up Batman. Or you don't have a really effective Batman. If that's going to be the case. Nikola Jokic knows that he's the Batman 24-7. 48 minutes a game. Whenever he's on the court, Nikola Jokic knows that he's Batman. He'll decide who's going to be Batgirl. He'll decide who's going to be Alfred. He'll decide who's going to do this, that, and the other. But he ain't giving up that Batman moniker. He ain't giving up that Batman suit. Same thing with Joel Embiid. If he decides to have Tyrese Maxey, his AKA Robin, be the guy that's, he's going, to be, that's going to shoot that shot, He'll be the one that's going to decide. When baskets need to be made, when plays need to be made, Joel Embiid, Joel Embiid if he decides to have Tyrese Maxey do it, he'll decide that. Not a situation where Tyrese Maxey's going to be like, okay, game is tied with two minutes left to go. Uh, Joel, just give me the ball, get out of my way, and I'll do some things. No! No! Mm-mm. That ain't happening. But the Lakers, it is. You know, Bron's gonna Bron's gonna come up. He, look, he's been twenty playing twenty one years, greatest basketball player of all time, arguably all that good stuff. But now for the Lakers, I think to really go where they want to go, it's gotta be Anthony Davis as Batman all the time, man, all the time. Can't be the other way around where it's kind of like ah yeah you know he'll he'll be Batman you know thirty uh, something minutes and they'll take over. The key is going to be is Anthony Davis going to be able to live up to that moniker, right? Jalen Brown, only because Batman, when Jason Tatum wants him to, when he gives him that privilege. But when it comes time, we all know who the man is, right? We all know who the man is on Boston, right? We all know who the man is on Milwaukee, right? Even though it might be a little bit more complicated because because as far as the scoring situations have concerned in crunch time, especially against a, a, uh, uh, a half-court defense, Giannis has given Damian Lillard to be Batman. Giannis is Batman on that team. But he knows he needs Robin, a.k.a. Damian Lillard, to bail his Batman ass out during crunch time because Batman, known as Giannis Adinokupo in Milwaukee, cannot hit a 15, 16, 17-foot jumper with consistency. His free throw game, even though he was... uh, 
he was sparkling. He was splendid in his free throw shooting last night, where they scored, where he scored 54 points against Indiana. But uh, you know, it's been inconsistent, and we've seen throughout the year, the, you know, the few games this year when Milwaukee has needed a bas- a basket in crunch time, it has been Damian Lillard. And it was interesting during that game last night on NBA TV against Indiana that down the stretch, and when I say down the stretch, I'm speaking about 90 seconds left to go in the game as such, that it was Chris Middleton trying to create opportunities and shots for Milwaukee when uh, the game was a one-point game, three-point game, that type of thing. So, yeah, on on offense, down the stretch, this, that, and the other, okay, yeah. Lillard's going to be that Batman in terms of those responsibilities, but he's going to get that permission to be Batman from the true Batman on Milwaukee, with, which is Giannis and Dinecupo. So look, Austin Reeves had a good game the other night against Miami, but he's been slow out the gate. And some of these acquisitions that the uh, Lakers made in the offseason, it was kind of like, are, are you sure you want to go ahead and start to, you know, Dancing in the street like Martin the Vandellas and dancing on the ceiling like Lionel Richie after these moves? Really? I mean, we're supposed to be getting excited about uh, Gabe Vincent. We're supposed to be getting excited about Jackson Hayes. We're supposed to be getting excited about Christian Wood. We're supposed to be excited about the re-signing of Yuri, uh, R- R- Yuri R- Hot. Oh, shoot, the guy from the Bullets. My goodness. Or the Wizards, I forget. But Rui, Hassan, Hassan, uh, Rui and uh, D'Angelo Russell. Those are the guys that we're supposed to be getting happy about, that we're supposed to be dancing on the streets and doing the kid and playing, the James Brown, the funky chicken. That's that's what our big deal, winning the offseason situation looks like. Bringing in Cam Reddish, really? Okay. 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 And okay, I'm done. Man, I wanted to talk about the NFL. I'll do that next week. I will go ahead and do that next week. Um, gave the a uh, lot of good stuff going on in the NFL. Joe Burrow is back. The Cincinnati Bengals are back. Now the Baltimore Ravens has slid in with uh, with Kansas City at the best team in the AFC after a bye week. Let's see what San Francisco can do. Excellent game between Philadelphia and Dallas. Dallas should have nothing to be ashamed of. They played the best team in the NFC uh, to the to the uh, to the limit. So those things I'll be I will be talking about next week, but I just wanted to throw something out there because, like I said, it's been too long for you guys not to hear my not to hear my voice. Yeah, so everybody do well. Everybody see what you can do to make this world a better place to be. How do you do that, Wendell? I'm going to tell you. Regardless of political affiliation, regardless of religion, regardless of gender, regardless of skin color, regardless of uh, uh, where they've been. We know what side of the track that they're on. Listen, learn, shut the fuck up, and try to be a better person, please. If we could do that, it would be fantastic. Wendell Wallace, Wendell's World of Sports, get me out of here with some music. <laughs> 